revisiting Indian culture and teachings of global Indian thinkers in times of pandemics. Part 1. Message of the Rishi Chapter 1. The Doorway to the Imperishable The beyond, invisible, ungraspable, unoriginated, without attributes or properties or qualities, which has neither eyes nor ears, neither hands nor legs, is eternal, full of manifestations, all-pervading, subtlest of the subtle. That imperishable, which the wise perceive as the womb of all matter. As the spider projects and withdraws the web unto itself, as plants sprout from the earth, as hair grow on man, so from the imperishable sprouts the universe. Dear friends, if we had to capture the quintessence of Indian culture in a few words, then it would be a dialogue between a worthy student and an enlightened teacher like this one from the Mundaka Upanishad. This conversation happened when the great householder, Shaunaka, duly approaching Rishi Angiras in the prescribed manner, inquired, what is that, O revered teacher, which being known, all of this becomes known? The Dispeller of Darkness The teacher here is not a thinker or a philosopher, but a seer, a rishi. And the student here is not a boy studying at a university, but a great householder. The path of the householder had three milestones, prosperity, enjoyment, and service to family and society. Shaunaka is called a great householder in this verse because he excelled in all of them. He had experienced everything a man could wish for. And in the fullness of his success, a feeling arose in him spontaneously. Surely, there must be more to life. He then approached a great teacher of his time, Rishi Angiris. The uniqueness of the Indian civilization can be said to be the role of the teacher. Right from the mother, to the deities, to the creator, every significant entity in one's life was considered a form of the teacher. A teacher was placed above all in the social hierarchy of ancient times. One of the most ancient and revered among teachers, Sri Dattatreya, is known as one who went to any extent taking the form of a madman and even a demon to teach his students. 
He used to say that he had 24 teachers, among whom were the Beatle, a dance girl, an artisan who made arrows, a python, and the wind. When it came to formal education, the teachers were of many kinds. One who provided, organized, and made sense of information, gave instructions, presented texts, manuals, translations, was called an adhyapak. A teacher who studied a subject and had a take on it, made his own contribution to it, maybe wrote a research paper, was called Upadhyay. A pandit had in-depth knowledge of a subject. His life was dedicated to mastering it. Everyone from a student to decision-makers went to a pandit to clarify doubts and discuss fresh ideas. An acharya was a little different because apart from subject, an acharya was concerned about the evolution of the student. The acharya worked at inculcating a coherent value system in his students. The acharya had to be a good psychologist to understand the student's mindset, a good communicator, motivator, and a compelling taskmaster. The teachers whom we adore if we look back, they would go beyond just the subject. They would be concerned about our growth. They would encourage, scold, even punish to ensure that we learned. But Shaunaka's question was coming after he had lived and experienced all that a material life could offer. His quest was beyond all of this. A kind of a search which he couldn't even describe accurately. Actually, he needed someone who could be the answer to his questions. Shaunaka would have come across many sages whom you could call Drishta, a visionary who had pierced the veils of illusion, who could see things as they are who had some answers. And yet, this too wasn't enough for him. He needed someone who could reach out to him, shake him out of his sense of smugness and make him vulnerable once again. Give him eyes to look at life afresh. One in whose presence he could feel free like a child, explore life once again one who was more like the ocean of unfathomable depth and mystery, of immense power and beauty, and yet could contain itself from overwhelming the small droplet. Someone who just knew every subtle experience Shaunaka had had but was not sure of, who had heard every unstruck sound Shaunaka had heard while laying awake on still nights. Someone who knew him 
like his own breath. Since ancient times, there have been teachers who have answered to this call. Such a teacher was called the Guru. Gu, standing for darkness. Ru, meaning to dispel. Guru is therefore the dispeller of darkness. Guru also means heavy. It's the word used for gravity. And this is said to be the quality of this kind of a teacher. Light as the wave of light and heavy as the darkest night. Many millennia after the time of Angiras, Guru Kabir would say, Shish diyo jo guru mile, tobhi sasta jaan. Even if the price you have to pay for Guru is with your very life, it is still a good bargain. Tuning in to the source. From being thoroughly engaged with pleasures, duties and ambitions, Shaunaka was now concerned with what was happening inside. If you see yourself as a character and the world as a creation in someone's mind and you start asking, who made me? What's the source? And you do this 24 by 7. In yoga, it's called Ishwar Pranidhan, tuning in to the source, set to clear obstacles that arise in the course of this inward journey. And this source called Ishwara is said to be untouched by time, by cause and effect, by any movement in the cosmos, by any action and reaction. Because not only is it your source, it is also the source of the very space and time, the world as you experience it. This source is said to be itself the Guru of the earliest Guru. And so the teacher called Guru is said to be the pulse of this first teacher. And so the Guru's presence is said to inspire the student to overcome the obstacles in his inner journey. It wasn't that Shaunaka framed his question in advance. He just found himself in the ashram of Rishi Angiris, as if drawn to him like a moth to flame. And it was on seeing his answer in flesh and blood that the question formed itself on his tongue. What is that, O sir? Which being known, all this becomes known. Teachers like Angiris waited for such questions because only a right mind could come up with them. Answering such a question meant describing the indescribable, like putting a face to sublime notes of heavenly music, impossible, and yet the delight of trying. The Rishi 
used to live away from the hustle and bustle of daily life, mostly but not always in forests. They lived as researchers of life. And to the student like Shaunaka, they were signposts in their abstract inner journey, as much as the dense forests, the Aranya, they lived in were like the primal wilderness the students' mind were exploring. The Guru would have their students live with them, providing for all their basic needs. They didn't do this for a return. They did this so that they could light a lamp in one or two of them, just like it was lit in them by their Guru. And in the most ancient among ancients, by the source, Ishwara. While studying texts, gaining skills of life were important. The real opportunity that the student had with the Guru was the study of the self, researching one's own mind, becoming aware of the subtle, absorbing directly from a source like how you would warm yourself next to a fire. The Guru was like a hollow pipe. You pressed your ear against its small end, knowing that the pipe extends in diameter to encompass all space and extends in length to the very dawn of time. You wait to hear some sounds from the rumbles of your own earthly life to the very sounds of creation, to the very heart of silence. The Rishi lived without being trapped by wealth, power, opposition, yet they were the most revered. The best of kings adored and respected them because it was understood by the worthy that while power, enjoyment, Wealth and even knowledge could lack in wisdom. Wisdom itself lacked in nothing. Wisdom contained everything. The global response to the ongoing pandemic has shown us many gaps in our modern way of life. In this blog we ask, can a global culture that is guided by wisdom change this. And in chapter 1, we look at what is at the heart of this wisdom, which has been the very heartbeat of this enduring civilization called India.